Hello and welcome back to Running Easy, Chatting Breezy with me, your host, Laura Mugford. Let's get going! Well, well, well. Long time, no see. I'm using this episode as kind of a kickoff back into the world of podcasting because I have a bit more time on my hands now-ish and I want to do this regularly. I say that all the friggin' time, but this time I mean it for real. Uh, It's bad timing in a way because, as you can hear probably in my voice, I've been unwell. Uh, I had COVID and we'll talk about that as part of this sort of debrief episode, update episode, um, as it obviously has impacted my running in the last week and it's been a whole thing. Um, but hi, I'm I'm really pleased if you're listening to this. I'm let's reintroduce myself and talk about what this podcast is, who I am and what we're doing here. I'm Laura. I love running. I've been running for three and a half years, maybe now. Uh, I've just completed my second marathon. I ran Amsterdam Marathon uh, after running London Marathon last October. And I would, I'm a very average, uh, like sort of runner, (laughs) a very average runner. Um, I, uh, for context of my times, not that I don't, I I don't think time is that important, especially when we, when we talk about running as something uh, that I use it for, which is for mental wellness uh physical well-being and just generally exploring and enjoying life uh that's kind of how i try to view my exercise and my relationship with running uh but for context as to the 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 level i'm at the, the standard of my running i just ran a 413 marathon which was a, a huge pb for me of 27 minutes from last year at london so i was really pleased with that and I'm, i've been working at the shorter distances and next year i plan to run my first ultra marathon so that's that's me and my running um i also have a chronic illness uh so i'm immunosuppressed i have crohn's disease uh and i'm on infusions to help treat that i have been on infusions of a biologics medication for five maybe six years now and that's just something that i think is important to note because i mention it sometimes because it does have an impact on my running but also running massively helps I find me personally manage that side of my life and manage my health and so it would be remiss to not mention it because there will be some episodes in the future where we're dedicated to talking about how running can have those sorts of benefits if you do suffer with something like I do which is a long-term chronic illness. Uh, I work in theatre, I am a creative, uh, I, I write, I do costumes and I act and basically everything at the moment well we have a very small production company which we work on alongside I say we me and my partner and our friend we work on alongside um our day jobs my day job is dressing costumes currently at a West End musical which is fine (laughs) and interesting to an extent um but yeah that's that's me and and I wanted to do this because I love talking about running but because of all of the things I've mentioned with my life being uh with illness and with my line of work and everything I I don't get many opportunities to socialize with other runners I can't get to any running clubs because I work in the evenings and I just don't really know that many people that are big on running I've been able to connect with a few people through my coach Uh, I'm trained with uh, Purdue Performance who are great my coach Sally is fantastic trained me for Amsterdam Marathon and it we're we're ongoing with the training now for the, for the future. Um, so I've been able to connect with a few people online through that. But in my everyday life, I'm quite an isolated runner. And I think that I definitely feel like I'm in the minority there in a sense, because uh, everything I see online, I think it's really easy to compare yourself to what you see on TikTok and 
and on Instagram, but I feel quite isolated as a runner because a lot of people, like, when you talk to them about what they love about running, they'll say it's the community. And for me, I just haven't really been able to experience that side of running yet. I haven't been able to access that sort of community feeling, which which is really is hard because I think it's a huge it's a huge factor for a lot of people when it comes to running and so for me I wanted to create like I've said for me like a million times which is just not pleasant to listen to but I personally feel as though uh doing this podcast and putting myself out there whether that be on my TikTok account which is mug on the move and I'm the same on Instagram if you want to go follow me over there I've just wanting to put myself out there and uh, create community of my own if people are down to join me especially if you're someone who also feels the, the way I do I know I'm definitely not alone in working in an industry that is not compatible with sort of the traditional running community based activities like nightly run clubs or even going to park run like I I can get to park run on occasion but I work late on a Friday night and I start work at one on a Saturday so my window is quite small I have to you know commit to to waking up a little bit earlier and going and you know going to park run and then going straight to work which is doable but it's not it's not realistic every single week and so there's I know there's loads of us out there that do work in creative communities and creative industries and I think that this is this is for everyone but it's for us (laughs) especially uh just to make people feel less alone in their in their running journey the way I felt a little bit alone in my running journey um so this episode specifically is going to be a bit of a debrief of my 2023 uh in running um and we're going to talk a little bit about races i will do a marathon debrief because i have so much to say about the amsterdam marathon i had the long and short of it is that i had a brilliant time and i would really recommend it as far as organized big big city marathons go um and i will talk a lot about why i feel that way and the pros and the cons and my race specifically and then i'll talk a little bit about training and how my training has looked over this year and then we'll talk about life moving forwards uh, in terms of running and like plans for future episodes and all of that jazz so i started training for the amsterdam marathon like properly back in may i want to say i've never even after completing my first marathon back in october which i felt quite undertrained for i was relatively consistent and I, I hit the long runs but i came up against a lot of the sort of beginner runner injuries that are really common like shin splints i didn't just go from zero to 100 i i did work my way up for the marathon i'd done two half marathons uh, and some 10ks and and all of that jazz before i attempted the marathon so i i wasn't one of those people that just thought i will never run in my life and then do a 16 week you know <laughs> training plan and try and do a marathon um i did try and do it as sensibly as possible but look these things happen and it wasn't my day back in October I loved London Marathon but it just it wasn't my day um and then uh so for this this time around I got a coach um and I was really dedicated um I was running consistently anyway over last winter but come May time I I trained and I ran the Reading Half Marathon in April but my training was a bit all over the place because of travel and work and so I didn't get a PB um and I went into the marathon block feeling a bit apprehensive um but it's been amazing to train with a coach and I will talk a lot about like what that training process looked like. Um, obviously, since the Amsterdam Marathon, my tra- my running has been shambolic and that's because I had 10 days off directly after the Amsterdam Marathon. Amsterdam Marathon was 15th of October, so we're literally a month 
post-marathon as as I speak which yes yeah, Thursday the 16th currently so we're a month post-marathon um and I had 10 days off according to my coach totally off running which was great it was the rest my body needed however during those 10 days I was setting up a new show with my company and being in the show and designing the shows and <laughs> producing the shows and it was a lot and also working at my job in between all of that and coming back to work properly after that that finished that was a two-week endeavor after that finished I came back to work and I was like sort of back into proper running training and I knew that I was starting to get sick and because of being immunosuppressed I am quite cautious I wear a mask on the trains I sanitize my hands regularly I'm 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 very clean <laughs> as a person um I I do also have obsessive compulsive disorder which is slightly germ uh related but that that coupled with being immunosuppressed coupled with surviving and coming out the other end of a a global pandemic is like a recipe for disaster but I'm 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 sensible and I I cope well for the most part and so I don't do anything overkill but I I am as sensible as one can be when it comes to trying not to get sick but I knew I was kind of at a bit of a breaking point um, after returning to work and to running and I, I was just totally frazzled I was burnt out and I knew I I went back to work and I started to feel like I had a cold and I was like okay I took a COVID test and it was negative a couple of days later I was like wow I really can't shift this and I went out for a seven mile run last Thursday and it was supposed to be a seven mile sort of tempo effort two miles warm up two times one mile at like a tempo and then a two miles cool down and I just couldn't do it and I stupidly had picked a route where I once you're out you're out it's really tough to get back you'd think running in London surely there's no way you can go that you can't get public transport home living in southeast London guys it's the trenches out here for for public transport and I just got myself in a pickle I don't know why I took that route when I wasn't feeling 100% uh usually my my partner's able to come and pick me up because we have a car um and he was dead asleep did not pick up the phone when I called so I was like well I have no choice but to run home so I ditched the tempo aspect of the run and I just jogged home it was still a seven mile run which is you know it's pretty long (laughs) when you're not feeling great but from that moment on I was like yeah I just I don't feel right to cut another COVID test negative so I was like well it's not if it's not COVID you know I will mask up go into work and do my best because financially we're suffering from a couple of weeks of putting on a show that still lost money because making fringe theatre in London is a whole hellscape of its own and you just have to be prepared to lose basically everything you put into it so I was like nope I kind of need to go to work I need the cash so went into work on the Saturday I had this feeling now if you've had Covid before I actually had Covid almost exactly a year ago um, and so I knew the feeling I, it's like locked in my memory as being this like quite horrible thing where from the neck up I just feel like I am not there it's like a funny sort of headache and sensation in my throat that I, I sat there at work and I thought I, I know I have Covid so I went to the office got a Covid test on site and sure enough it was positive so I quickly left (laughs) and got myself home and I was just so upset because not only is it really scary when you're immunocompromised but I was just getting back into running I was just trying to get back into my routine and I was feeling so out of whack anyway just desperate for a bit of like normality back in my life desperate to get running again and especially when I had such a great marathon which we'll talk about like my race um 
as this episode continues but I had truly the dream marathon experience for me I, I couldn't have asked for a better day it was so so good I felt so strong that I really wanted to get back home and capitalize on that fitness that I'd built up because I'd worked so hard I've never been so consistent in my life than I have been with that marathon training block and I I didn't want to lose all that progress I had this fear that I was just going to lose it all and obviously you can't be in peak fitness all year round like that's not how bodies work that's why we have training cycles but still I was just I was so upset because I was feeling like crap and I just thought oh my god this is going to be another god knows how long not running not exercising not getting back to the gym like what am I going to do I feel like I'm one of those people I I can't stay at home and do nothing I I get one day off a week so I work six days which is what it is it's fine (laughs) it's we're not saving lives or anything I'm literally just putting clothes on people so I shouldn't complain but six days a week sometimes does feel like a lot and on my one day off I I fill it with stuff because I'm even though I'm tired I'm not the person that's gonna sit at home and not do anything I always get so restless so I was like oh my god I'm gonna have to I'm going to be off for at least a week from work with this and I I don't even know how I'm going to feel because like I feel bad right now but what if it gets gets worse and you know I'm going to feel so horrible being stuck at home luckily thank god for the NHS my GP has like kicked me off the app for some reason I'm with GP at hand and they're a good NHS service in some ways but they've just merged this is a totally separate rant but they've merged with another company the app is shambolic so I was trying to get in touch with my GP desperately because being immunosuppressed I uh, qualify for having antiviral COVID treatment to help me reduce my risk of long COVID and all of that, which was a huge worry for me as well, because I have, you know, I'm aware of people um, who I have seen post sort of their blogs online about being runners or being really healthy, active people who then get long COVID and they just can't get back to their previous like lifestyle. They are, you know, permanently damaged. COVID is not just a cold. And I feel like I have this conversation with people all the time because uh, especially in the theatre industry, I think people are quite dismissive of COVID and its long term impacts. And it's just you don't want to catch it. If you can avoid catching it, you should, because you don't know how it's, even if you're a fit and healthy person and you're not immunosuppressed, you don't know what it's going to do to you. So it's best just to not try and get it. So I was worried about all of that. Um, but I wanted to get this medication basically, but called 111, got it sorted out, lickety split. And it was delivered to me the next day. There was a bit of a drama with the delivery, but I won't get into it because it was just, it was wild. Actually, I ended up taking someone's chemo drugs because the wrong thing was delivered it was it was actually kind of obscene now that I think about it but I was so delirious throughout those days like the first couple of days of covid that I just was like right whatever fine but the antiviral stuff has done a really good job as you can hear I'm still a little bit stuffed up but the actual I I don't feel unwell in myself anymore I literally just feel like I have a little bit of a head cold and that is just miles above how I had been feeling at the start so I'm really relieved and I'm looking forward to getting out and and trying to run and and see how that feels because at the moment I'm lucky I haven't haven't struggled with any breathlessness or or things like that like my heart rate was a little bit high when I was doing the hoovering (laughs) the other day um and actually do you know what it's been kind of not a blessing I won't say that because I would have always much rather not had COVID but I've had a week of doing nothing uh like I've been able to sit at home and do some crocheting do some knitting some painting or just lay on the sofa and watch TV and I never have time or allow myself that time to do that because as I said before I'm not I get really restless and I want to be doing something and I could tell I really needed the rest and that I was burned out because I didn't feel that restlessness. I didn't feel like I should be out of the house. I felt like it was, I was able to fully, uh, 
embrace being at home and, and resting and do some quite active resting um because that's something I've always struggled with and so I do feel a lot better from it obviously not ideal to still be this stuffed up but I'm hoping I'll be back to work on the weekend and back to running and sort of ease myself back into it all um so that's that's been my running since the marathon I did do I was back to I had like one full week back of like actual training where I ran over 20 miles and that was it really so I'm looking forward to getting back into it it was really depressing looking at my schedule and seeing that today should have been like over eight miles with tempo miles in it like I feel so far away from that kind of fitness at the moment but I just have to trust myself and my body and my coach and know that I will get back to that point it's just I just have to be sensible because I'm not currently actively training for anything I'm I'm building base I guess ready to start ultra training in the new year so now is the time to rest if I need it not push myself so Amsterdam Marathon let's talk about it why did I pick Amsterdam Marathon well the long and short of it is I wanted an autumn marathon to do uh, because I'd ran London last October and after the after the marathon I started running way too soon I think I did London Marathon on the Sunday and I started running again on the Wednesday which is just really not very sensible and so I faced a lot of problems over the winter with recurring sort of shin splint problems and some weaknesses in my ankles and such so I tried to focus on building some strength but I knew I didn't want to do a spring marathon I like I entered the London marathon ballot because I always do but I I I was not relieved that I didn't get a space but a little bit relieved that I didn't get a space because I didn't I didn't want to run a spring marathon. I thought I will run the Reading Half Marathon because that's what I've done every year since I've started running. Um, but I won't put too much pressure on it. I had a lot of like travel and work stuff going on at the start of the year. So I just wanted to run consistently. And that's what I did. So I was looking for autumn marathons. I entered the Berlin ballot and didn't get a space so I was like fine I I knew I would be okay with traveling somewhere that was like reasonably affordable to go to that could double up as a little bit of a holiday for me and my partner um and so so anywhere in Europe I was kind of open to I actually did look at the Loch Ness marathon because that seemed really interesting to me it's net downhill um and it's supposed to be very beautiful so I thought that would be quite fun quite interesting um but ultimately it was going to be just as expensive to stay and race in Scotland really like on paper um than it would be to go somewhere like Amsterdam and my boss at work had run Amsterdam before and said that she had a great time and she really really enjoyed it like said it was a brilliantly organized race and I love Amsterdam. We actually went in February and when I was I we were there for a couple of days and I was running around Vondel Park and I just thought this is where I want to do the marathon. This is it's so beautiful. It's from the UK. It's just so easy to get to. We literally got the Eurostar and it was a lot cheaper than all of the other race options and it was still a big city marathon. Um it's it's like sponsored by TCS so the same people as London Marathon. Um and so the facilities were going to be quite similar and I was quite keen to run a race that was like as similar as possible to London because that's what I knew, like that's the experience I'd had. And so that was it seemed like a good option to me um there's so many marathons that were happening at that time that I probably could have done that definitely would have been cheaper in terms of travel and everything like York and yeah a bunch of other really nice pretty ones in the UK um but I thought why not okay let's try and do it um my partner didn't really get to my partner was only in Amsterdam with me in February for one day so he didn't really get to see much and so we thought look it's his birthday in October we'll do this as a holiday and like try and make the most of it um and actually like it ended up being 
<laughs> well, on paper, it was way cheaper than London Marathon in terms of like, um, actually, was it? No, I don't think it was. I can't argue that because I literally live a 10 minute walk from the start line for London Marathon. So actually scratch that. It was not cheaper than London Marathon, but it was like it was manageable for us and I, I wouldn't have changed the experience. It was so good. We, we Like I say, we got the Eurostar out there because it actually worked out to be cheaper than flying. I think we managed to get our Eurostar tickets for like £90 each because I booked them really far in advance. Like I booked them back in maybe April or May when I decided that that was the marathon I was going No, it must have been earlier than that. I think I put them in March because I, I booked Amsterdam Marathon quite soon after I came back from Amsterdam because I knew that was the one I wanted to do. Um, So I booked that and I booked accommodation really early as well. Um, And I'll, I'll talk all about the accommodation and where we stayed because actually it, it worked out so great for us for the, for race day. Um, But we got the Eurostar because A, it was cheaper and B, it meant that we didn't have to worry about luggage because... If we were flying, we would have to, you know, you even with EasyJet, you don't even get your like carry on rolly suitcase for free anymore. You have to pay for that. And I'd always want to have that rather than a hold bag, because if you're traveling to a race and you're having to get a plane, do not put your running kit in the hold. I saw so many run like TikTokers who were like going to like New York Marathon and, and such. Obviously, it's been like full marathon season. So New York Marathon is the one that jumps out to me coming from the UK going to New York to race and they're putting their shoes, their kit, their gels, everything in their carry-on, in their, in their hold suitcase, not the carry-on. And I was like, guys, you have so much faith in the luggage transportation system that I just simply could never have. Um, it's fine. Clearly it worked out okay for those guys from what I could see. But like my word of advice, just don't risk it, bruh. Like it's not is not worth it. Can you imagine? You get there, your plane lands, you're riding a marathon in like say two days, and they're like, "Yep, yeah, don't have your luggage. We'll let you know." You're then in a right pickle. I know it's difficult when traveling internationally with gels because, like, I guess sometimes they're classed as like a liquid, and I, it's something I hadn't thought too much about. But I, I heard a little bit of discussion on my training group chat about it, and I was like, "Shit, I hadn't thought about that." Like with traveling with your fuel, but look gels are easier to replace than shoes so put your gels in in your hold luggage by all means but like don't not your shoes not not the shoes come on guys so that was a, a perk of the Eurostar is you didn't have to worry about any of that like you can bring a big suitcase if you want and it's like not extra money um and also just uh like getting straight into Amsterdam Central rather than going to the airport was just so convenient for us because we got in quite late on the Friday night. I think we arrived, we actually arrived at midnight and our Eurostar was a bit delayed because there was some like signaling trouble. And I, I remember laughing, me and my, my partner Joe just laughing on the train because we were like in Brussels or somewhere and there was signal problem. And we we're like, wow, so it's not just England that's got <laughs> these problems with the trains, um, especially for us guys living in London. The trains are like kind of a nightmare at the moment um but we got there about 12 and we were able to get on the metro to our hotel and we stayed at the via suites and that was in i can't pronounce anywhere in in amsterdam because i don't speak dutch and i find it so hard like we literally i was trying to look up some stuff before we went i was like how is it that we can go to like france and italy and kind of get by but you go to the netherlands and you're like i literally don't know a word to say here at all um but we stayed in like Diemendorf I want to say um and we 
uh, like our nearest metro was Diemen Zuid, I believe. And it was so easy for commuting. It was literally like 20 minutes into the central Amsterdam and then like 20 minutes to get to the stadium. And that's where the race starts and it's where the expo is. So it was just really convenient for us. And we, it's actually a hostel, the place we stayed at, but they have like a back building, which has these really nice, like, fully contained suites which are like hotel suites and it was i said it was it was expensive for what it was i think we paid like 650 euros for four nights which is more than i think we've ever paid for any room anywhere on any holiday even like longer ones um but it was so worth it. I think because our Eurostar ended up being quite cheap comparatively and we actually didn't spend basically any money while we were out there. Um, it kind of balanced out really well because we didn't, we had like a microwave, kettle, uh, sink, like dishwasher, all of this stuff in the room, uh, a little dining area, great shower. That was so important to me when booking accommodation for the marathon because there's nothing worse than if you have do the marathon and all you want to do is have a nice shower afterwards in hindsight would have been nice to book somewhere with a bath but I do remember thinking that when I was booking and it was just going to be mega expensive so if you've got the cash splash on a place with a bath because that would be lovely like we don't have a bath in our flat in London so it would have been nice to be able to have the opportunity to like have a bath after the marathon but the shower was lovely the room was so gorgeous that it made it worth it because like I say we arrived late on Friday literally got to the hotel went straight to bed Saturday morning we were up early because we needed to go to the expo to pick up my race number so it operates similarly to a lot of other big city marathons where you have to go and pick up your number in person and the expo was kind of across the road from the stadium and it was a fine expo I only have London Marathon to compare it to and London was quite big but also I didn't spend masses of time there either it's a lot of like spending money <laughs> and if you don't want to spend money uh it's t- it's like cool this is nice stuff to look at and window shop but for me I knew I wanted to go there and just buy like uh amsterdam marathon t-shirt i what i didn't realize was that the t-shirt that's included in your like race registration fee which i should mention my race registration for amsterdam was like a hundred euros i want to say which is a lot but it's also half the price of berlin i think berlin is like 205 euros at the moment london marathon i believe is like 70 quid so obviously that's a bit cheaper so 100 felt like this sort of middle ground between those. It was expensive, but I do feel like the quality of the services provided kind of warrant that. But sadly, that did include a t-shirt, which I didn't get because I didn't realise you had to go and pick it up at the expo. Because for me, any race I've ever done, you get your t-shirt at the end. Like you you queue up for it well, after you've had your medal and you go and find the person that's got the size small or the large or the whatever. And that's been my experience so I didn't it didn't even cross my mind that going and picking up a t-shirt at the expo was something that I would do because in my head I was like it's a finisher t-shirt and this is a day before the marathon how do you know I finished <laughs> so I so sadly I didn't get that which is a bit of a shame but then also finisher t-shirts can be a bit of a waste when it comes like to environmental and financially and everything especially if because a lot of the time they're quite ugly not gonna lie um there's only a few finisher t-shirts that I've got from races that I do still wear and so and the Amsterdam marathon one was fine but I spent I think 30 euros at the expo buying like a long sleeve blue t-shirt that just has like the Amsterdam marathon logo in the corner and on the back and it's really lovely and I knew I wanted a long sleeve and I would much rather have like spent the money on that one that I'll actually wear than take something home that's just going to sit in my drawer collecting dust. 
So it wasn't the end of the world. Um, but there was a, a bunch of different stands at the expo that were nice to walk around. But I don't think I bought anything else. I just just got my T-shirt, got my race number. My parents also came in, which was so amazing. My parents have never been to Amsterdam or the Netherlands, I think, before. Um, <laughs> so it was really cool for them to to come in. And they kind of made that their, their little trip for the year to come in and watch me do the race which was amazing so we actually met them at the expo and they were able to walk around with me uh, my dad has run a marathon before he ran london marathon and we usually run reading half marathon together so he's kind of like one of the reasons i run and so it was really cool for him to be able to come and both my parents come and, and see the expo with us um but after we're done at the expo we obviously didn't want to do too much walking the day before the marathon which is always the risk when you travel somewhere let's like and you're kind of using it as a holiday but also for a race because you want to explore and you want to see the city that you're in but obviously I was trying to stay off my feet and I think after we'd gone to the expo I was already on like 10,000 steps or something so I was getting a bit worried I mean in my day-to-day -day life as someone working in London I even without going for a run can easily clock up 20 25,000 steps so I'm used to spending time on my feet but I was really anxious about not being on my feet the day before the marathon so we went and we found a boat tour to do and it cost us like 11 euros each and it was lovely it was a lovely canal boat um like inside just got to look at the lovely views and uh hear about some history of amsterdam and it was really really nice it was a great way to sort of explore but also not be walking around we still ended up doing quite a bit of walking by the time i got home i had to do a 20 minute shakeout run so after that i think i was nearly at twenty thousand steps and i was like yikes i <laughs> i cannot do this so we went for quite an early dinner i booked I, in theory i should have booked in advance like I'm usually I'm I'm very much a planner as a person and the fact that I hadn't booked us anywhere for dinner like four days before the event I was like oh my god this is a huge oversight because I was trying to book like you know I'm googling like best affordable pasta places in Amsterdam and of course everywhere is booked up and I was like shit of course everyone wants pasta the night before the marathon because something cool that the Amsterdam marathon offers is a pasta party at the stadium the night before and I think it's like 25 euros ahead and they have like a pasta buffet and it's supposed to be really good fun. And in my head, I thought, prior to the event, I thought, oh, I'll book us onto that at, at some point. At some point, I eventually went on to try and book it. And lo and behold, it sold out. <laughs> so I was like, great. Scratch that. We can't do that. Eventually, I found somewhere and it was gorgeous. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but it was kind of near the Waterloo Plain Market. I'm butchering these names, guys. Just allow it. It's fine. Um, but... It was so nice, very traditional Italian food and like really reasonably priced, gorgeous meal. But we ended up eating at like 3.30 because that's the only time slot I could get. Worked out great because I was absolutely exhausted. We got back to the room and the perks of like spending a bit of extra money and having a nice room meant that it didn't feel like we were wasting our holiday sitting in like a crappy hotel room when we could have been out exploring. Because the room was so nice, we had some nice views and there was a TV and like, you know... Um, joe could go down to the bar and get a drink like it made it was so relaxing we literally sat joe ended up ordering some chips to the room at like six o'clock or something we had chips and some onion rings and we sat and watched like some bigfoot documentary on tv until about seven and i was so tired at that point and so relaxed i just got into bed and i fell dead asleep dead asleep usually the night before a race or any big thing for that matter sleep is like obviously really hard i think a lot of us suffer with that a lot of us are like can't sleep the night before a big event i was out like a light 
I did wake up quite a few times and like go for a wee but I do that at home regularly anyway so it wasn't too weird but oh my god and then I woke up when my alarm went off at six and I'd had like an epic 11 or 12 hours of sleep I felt great I was so relieved because obviously the day before I'd been really tiring and we'd been doing the traveling and I I was working right up until the Friday too so I hadn't really had any time to like rest prior to the race so man I was I was buzzing so that set us up really nicely now getting to the getting to the race in the morning was quite chill we did end up having to run for a train which I resented massively I was like Joe if I've just used up all my sprint power to get on this train I'm gonna be livid but um it worked out fine in the end it was a great warm-up the only downside was the weather I mean for the race it was fantastic but pre-race it was chucking it down with rain it was hailstoning um which was all quite like it was quite biblical you know you were just like oh my god and we have to run in this we got to the stadium and people are like trying to shelter under their bin bags and umbrellas my mum's umbrella is like broken in half and we're all sort of shielding behind it um but I, I got my bin bag on I tried to stay as warm as possible. I managed to keep my feet quite dry, which was great because the only thing... I I didn't mind if the rest of me was wet. I just didn't want my feet to be wet because I didn't want any blisters. I I just didn't want that to be something I had to worry about. Now, a massive benefit of doing the Amsterdam Marathon is that you get to start and finish in the Olympic Stadium. And it's this gorgeous Art Deco style... Uh, quite old school stadium um, and you get to start and finish on a track which I love because it's it reminds me a lot of the Reading half marathon it's not a track that you finish on you're just in the stadium but like for the Reading half that is for this it was a track but it was just so cool um, there is supposedly spectators can come in and watch the start but my parents and my boyfriend couldn't find the entrance for that I had to go in like a separate runner's entrance and I sort of left them outside and was like well guys I'll see you on the other side I've, I've got to go in now and they never managed to work out how to get in there so don't don't know what that's all about they weren't that fussed because they had planned to go to Vondel Park to walk over there which is and they were going to stand at like the two kilometer point which is also the 40 kilometer point because the great thing about Amsterdam Marathon is the last 5k and the first 5k are kind of the same so you kind of get a sense of when you're nearly back which is really lovely um Usually I would have liked to have them spectate somewhere a bit further on than two kilometres because at that point you really shouldn't be needing too, too much crowd support to keep you going. Um, But because they didn't know Amsterdam that well and because of like the public transport and trying to negotiate that, uh, they didn't feel as confident as they did in London where we had like a strategic plan with, you know, the exact tube times and everything they would need to, to, to get on to get to a certain place to cheer at a certain point and then move to the next one. So for simplicity's sake, we just said, you guys just say they're at, at 2 and 42, uh, 2 and 40 even, and then, you know, that's that's great, and then I can meet you at the end. Um, but anyway, getting into the stadium, it was so well organised on the inside. You kind of walked in on the pitch, essentially, and my wave was the green wave, so we were starting at 9.25, and it was really easy to find your wave, and basically they were all sectioned in sort of a circle around the stadium and in each wave you had a couple of portaloos a drinks fountain and then like there was a tiny bit of shelter not much but a little bit which meant people could huddle under it when it started to really like have a downpour which was nice but what was so relieving for me was the fact there were portaloos in there I hate 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 when you get ushered into like a pen a wave like a fair amount before your start time and there's no toilet facilities um I the amount of time I've wasted in my life queuing for portaloos at races is actually a joke 
London Marathon in Greenwich Park. I've never seen so many portalies in my life, but I've also never queued as long for one. Like, it was just a baffling situation to be in. And I'm a person that, like... I got into the pen about 30 minutes before my start time and I queued for the portaloo. By the time I got in and got out, I like just rejoined the back of the queue because I knew that I would need to go again and that probably timing wise would link up with when we would start moving to get to the start line and it did it worked out perfectly it was a great atmosphere there was big uh like screens up so that you could watch the start of the like elite race so that was really exciting and everyone was sort of clapping and like cheering for them as they started it was just a really really nice vibe and then when it was time for us to move over to the start line it was just really simple we sort of ran up to it and ran through it so it, it it was great and as soon as we started it just really felt like oh okay we're about to do this and right outside the stadium as you as you emerge onto the road there was just so many people the crowd support in Amsterdam overall was unlike anything I have ever seen even London Marathon and there are points in London Marathon where the crowds are so huge like it's incomparable to anything else but there were also the hugest dead spots and in Amsterdam I just didn't really find there were dead spots um we'll get to it but We'll we'll get to it. There is a dead spot, but it's kind of made up for in a funny sort of way. So anyway, you run out. I'm feeling pretty good. I've trained to run nine minutes and 45 seconds per mile for the for the race. That's what I've trained for. I have in my head. I want to do a four hours, 15. That's the goal. I also have the little voice of my dad in the back of my head being like, you need to do 4.14 because that's my marathon time and I want you to beat me. That's always been his thing. He always wants me to beat his times. So I was like, well, if I can go a minute faster, I'll try, but we'll see. At this point, I've had the best training block of my life in that I really stuck to a plan. I'd done a bunch of long runs with marathon pace in it. I actually did a 22 mile long run as my longest run of the block, which I'd never done before. Like for London Marathon, my longest run was 20 miles on a treadmill, which was just shambles because I was really dealing with like shin splints and all sorts of other, you know, plantar fasciitis in my heels, like just horrible stuff. I was just not fit and well enough to do that. But I succeeded. I did my 22 mile run and it went well. Um, I'd felt a bit nervous because in my longer runs with, marathon pace I they tended to be a little bit stop start for me um I felt like I hadn't done that much continuous running which made me really nervous uh but I thought you know I'll set out and I oh my god I can't believe I haven't mentioned this this is crazy so as I literally just said I trained to run nine minutes 45 per mile now this race was in Europe it was in kilometres. The whole course was marked by kilometres. There was not a single mile marker. Now, I did know this a few weeks ahead of the race. I kind of realised this to myself and I thought I'm not too stressed about it because the conversions to kilometres are quite straightforward. The conversion that is the easiest to remember is a little bit quicker than I've trained for, but should be in theory manageable. The conversion meant that roughly every six miles, uh, sorry, roughly every six minutes, I should see a kilometre marker. And so that is that's the strategy I went by. And it was actually amazing because I didn't look at my watch um, like I was looking at my watch, but I was looking purely elapsed time. I wasn't looking at the pace because my, my watch was still set in miles. I did chat with my coach about whether or not I should change my watch to be kilometers. And she was like, no, leave it in miles because that's what you're used to. Like, you don't want to fuck around with it really before the race. And we talked a little bit about, about manual lapping. 
some people like to manual lap during races that you know that you're like in sync with the mile markers i didn't do any of that because i didn't need to because i had that easy maths of every six minutes i need to see a kilometer marker so it just it it was easier for me to just have that in my head and not physically displayed to me which i actually think was part of the reason that this was such a successful race for me because i think had i been able to see that i was running almost exactly six minutes per kilometer for every single kilometer of this race i think i would have freaked myself out a little bit i would have panicked that i was running too quickly um or if i'd paid attention to my my miles on my watch i would have panicked because they were showing me like 9 30 9 35 one of my miles i think looked like it was going to be like a 9 20 and that would have scared me thinking I was going out too quickly but I knew that I wanted to disregard the the pace that was showing on my watch because like in any big city marathon your watch GPS is going to be absolutely wackadoodle dandy it's not going to be showing you an accurate reading and so I didn't want to be married to it even though I had been so married to my my watch throughout the whole of my training cycle so we set off and I'm just looking out for those mile markers and checking that I'm ticking along uh, that roughly and bear in mind I was thinking in my head roughly six minutes which was nice to have the mental maths to keep sort of keep my brain occupied a little bit not too much you don't want to be doing anything crazy mathematics because you do need to conserve mental energy in a, in a marathon that's something I learned the hard way during London like you shouldn't be expending too much mental energy especially early on because you need you need it for the for those <laughs> for the latter stages of the race um but I saw my family in Vondel Park at kilometer two was really lovely um the crowd support was just so lovely throughout um and the first 10k or so of the race went by really quickly it's all through the city uh it did start raining quite heavily at 10 kilometers but i felt it was refreshing i personally do love running in a little bit of rain i'm not opposed to it at all so weather wise it was spot on i think it was about 11 degrees which is kind of the ideal running weather like temperature wise in my opinion um it was really i was quite chilly waiting to start the race but as soon as i started running i felt perfect I wasn't too hot I really struggle with overheating when I run and it means I end up drinking a lot taking on a lot of liquid when I go for longer runs especially training for a marathon over the summer which I've now done two summers in a row I really struggle with hydration um I just keep taking on water and it nothing seems to satisfy my like thirst um so that's another thing I kind of did a bit differently in this race is I I definitely had my fueling and like nutrition and everything hydration really sorted like I knew what I was doing but at every single water station in the Amsterdam Marathon now they're not like every 5k like they're not a regular number like that I think it worked out being like every seven or something like that um but there was water but there was also AA sports drink and sponges never been a race with sponges before but it was fascinating to see but the AA sports drink was first and then the water was second so as you were approaching there'll be people holding out cups and that was all AA drink and you need to go a little bit further on for the water so the first water station I accidentally took AA drink but it tasted nice and I thought what the hell in my long runs I have quite often used Lucasade Sport this is not advisable to anyone else. I would not recommend doing this. I'm just really lucky it worked out for me. I think taking sports drink at every water station as well as water really helped me nail my fueling. I would just say it now. I never hit a wall. I The wall never came for me. And I was baffled because I hit it really terribly in London. Probably really early on, actually, between 14 and 16 miles. I was really in the trenches in London Marathon. And it just never came for me this time. And I do think that that's down to my fueling. Taking on that sports drink, but also taking on water 
and I my fueling strategy let's just be real my, my fueling strategy for this was nothing fancy I tried the Morton gels because I got a discount code from it from my coach they sucked ass I hated them I felt like I was inhaling snot into my throat I don't know how any of you eat those. Maybe I just need to practice, but oh my God, it was horrendous. I can't do it. I used to have the goo, like chocolate gels, but they get so sticky and horrible after a while. And after London Marathon, I just couldn't stomach them anymore. So I went back to basics. I had a jelly baby, not just one jelly baby. I had two jelly babies every 15 minutes, um, but I also had a couple of those Cliff Energy chewy blocks as well. And so what it ended up being was every 15 minutes, I either had two jelly babies or two cliff box or a jelly baby and a cliff block, something like that. And I tried to be pretty bloody rigid about that every 15 minutes. Sometimes it felt hard to get them down, but it did the trick. Let me tell you that for free. There was no, no, no bonking, no running out of energy here. I, I was, I was good the whole way around. And I was so pleased about that because I'd been so nervous about it. I'd practiced it in training a little bit, but I could never take in that every 15 minutes like it became too hard towards the end of my runs so usually I would start to to sort of taper off a little bit towards the end but I was pretty pretty strict about it during the race and that really paid off um so like I say raining when it got to about 15 kilometers that's when the crowd support basically totally vanished because you're heading up the Amstel River and you're up there and back for over 10 kilometers like it is a long it's a long way and it it felt quite long at the time, but it was also really lovely because you're looking at these gorgeous houses. And when I say there was no crowd support, there were still like caravans parked up blasting music. And then they had these people out on the river that were on these sort of like jetpacks made of water. It was crazy. They were like 20 foot in the air, like waving at you, like suspended by water. It was very cool. Um, so there was all this stuff to look at and there was music and lovely houses and beautiful scenery, obviously, because you're heading sort of into a little bit of like the countryside and you've got the river. And it was just, it was very pleasant. I was really, I really enjoyed that stretch. And once you got, to, the only thing that it was hard was because the river was obviously like bending to and fro, I kept thinking that we were at the turnaround point and we just weren't like you would turn a corner and be like oh no we're going on we're going on because you could see the runners on the other side of the river who had already got to the turnaround and were heading back and you just kept thinking surely at some point we will turn around like where is where is this turnaround point and at this point I'd been very religiously on that six minute per kilometer and I'd sort of been aware of it and I was I, I was just very suspicious of myself because I was like I feel fine why do I feel fine? Like, I was just very suspicious. Um, we got to the turnaround and you sort of go up this ramp, dual carriageway thing, up onto a bridge and then down onto the other side of the river. And there were so many people there. It was so cool to see that many people all out at that point because it was a nice little break from, like, the, the more quiet like vibe of the the actual river section. So it was lovely to have that burst before you head back on the river to, to go back the way you've come. But I quite liked the out and back nature of it, just as I liked the loop. Uh, something that I actually look for in races is having that because when you're running in an area where you don't know the route, like for London Marathon, I practiced the London Marathon route religiously on all my long runs because I lived so close to it. It was just easy to access. And that really helped me for at least the first half of the race because I knew exactly what to expect. I knew where I was going. I knew how long it should take me. And sometimes I find that when I'm running in a new place, 
running feels longer because I don't know where I'm going. So it's really nice to have that turnaround and be like, oh, I know, I recognise that bit now. Like, to be able to recognise somewhere and be like, oh, I've come, I've, I came from over there and, and now I'm here and I kind of know how far that is now to get back to that point where I was. It just felt really reassuring and nice. Uh, I passed over the halfway point, uh, like, on that stretch, heading back into town. <coughs> And I just really couldn't believe that I still felt pretty good. Like, I was definitely, like, working, but I was, like, working sustainably, which felt really nice. Um, And as we headed back into town, probably about the 30k mark that things really started to pick up, there was a lot more people and you're kind of on the road a bit more. I really felt like if... I hadn't had to engage in any of the mind games of a marathon yet. And because, you know what, another crazy thing about this whole thing is, and why so much of the marathon is mental, having everything being kilometre markers was so foreign to me because even though I, when I started running, I used to run in kilometres. Ever since London Marathon training, I've trained in miles. And so to go back to kilometres, it, like... I never, I don't remember hitting those big mile markers where usually you start to feel like crap. Like I don't remember hitting 18 or 20 because in my head, even though I kind of know the conversions into kilometers, I wasn't thinking about that. So seeing 29, 30 kilometers to me, I was like, what, huh? Oh, okay. So I've come, I've come quite far. And I, what do you mean I only have 12k left? Like I feel, I feel pretty good. Um, This is really suspicious. This is really weird. Like I remember hitting 30k and being like, when did I get to this point? Like, how have I ran 30 kilometers already? This is really baffling to me. Like, I just couldn't wrap my head around it, especially because I hadn't had to do any of that, like, digging deep yet. I was just staying very calm, very steady, very consistent. And I I didn't quite understand just how consistent I'd been until I got my splits back at the end of the race. But I, I, I knew that I was keeping, I was keeping well, basically. Um, when I got to about 32, I got quite excited because I was like, oh, it's only 8k until I see my family again. Um, And then it's just two kilometers till the end. So that's like, that feels really short. So I did like for that last from 32 to 42, I definitely had to like knuckle down a little bit. Like I was I was tired and it was more of an effort to maintain the pace I was I was running. But I felt in control of it. At no point did I think I'm not going to make it. I I just kept thinking, oh, my God, the like the kilometers keep ticking away. And and, you know, if I get to the next one it's only 6k till I see my parents and then and then it's only 5k till I, my, till I see my parents and, and Joe and and like when I was approaching and getting back up to Vondel Park because we'd already ran that area it was just like oh sick okay we're nearly there like I know where we are it felt really lovely going through Vondel Park felt quite long on the way back I'm not gonna lie it definitely felt long especially because I knew my parents were like at the other side of it um so I just kept like you know again sort of rounding a bit of a bend in the road and being like oh is that is that oh no no not them we're still you know 2k away or whatever so that was a bit of a that was an interesting one and also I hadn't even mentioned I didn't listen to music for the first like 13k Uh, I had I didn't even have my headphones in and then I put them in and I played two podcasts I listened to a running channel podcast and a how stuff works podcast um which was crazy because in London Marathon I listened to music the whole time and I felt that I it wasn't helping me but I also like needed it um and I, for this one I just didn't want to use music until I had to 
so listening to those podcasts made me feel like I was just out on like a training run I didn't feel like I was working that hard because it was it was a lot easier for me to stay in control when I didn't have like pumping music in my head it was just like voices that I could get distracted listening to and so that was really lovely and I think that helped me a lot um, and also it meant that I could still hear the crowds because the crowds were just crazy they were so much fun so many people calling the, your name out on your bib so many different languages being thrown at you which like felt really cool like I was like I don't know what you're saying but thank you like it was all so encouraging there were some great signs that people had out it was like very very supportive and very cool so it was nice to still be able to hear that and like not have music drowning everything out like I felt like I was quite engaged in the race this time around whereas there's like parts of London Marathon that I just don't remember whatsoever um especially like big things like going through that like rainbow bit in London Marathon where it's like all the big pride celebration it's like a huge party everyone's like oh my god that bit is so amazing it feels like a celebration and I'm like I do not recall I like did I do a different route because I do not recall running through that whatsoever um which I just find so funny but I felt very engaged in this race which was lovely um but as I say got managed to get to see my parents at the 40 kilometer mark and then Joe a little bit further on and it was so lovely to see them and I thought oh my god like I'm nearly there and when I looked at my elapsed time I realized that I was I was within my my goal I'd I'd I, I knew that I could actually get under 14 like 414 if I wanted if I just kept steady at where I was now I would be able to get that and running up and seeing the Olympic Stadium I was like I was just like it was euphoric I literally as I as I went up the ramp to enter into the stadium I literally said out loud to myself why am I getting emotional I said out loud to myself I was like I did it I did it like I was so excited because I knew that I had like and I felt, and I didn't feel like I was dying. I, I was working really hard for that last 10k. So I know I gave it, I, I know I executed the race plan really well. And it's easy when you look back on it to be like, oh, I should have pushed harder. Like if I didn't feel like I was going to die at that point, like I should have, I could have gone faster. But it's like, no, because I had such an enjoyable race and I worked really hard for that, like that last 10k. And I, but this is the real kicker. I crossed that finish line and it was ch- it was raining and I was so happy and I saw on my watch that I'd done 4.13.35. I'm going to cry. I was so pleased. Then I saw my splits and let me tell you, I was shook, bruh. I was absolutely confounded. I had ran every single kilometre within three seconds of each other. My quickest one was like in the first 10k and it was a 5.59, and my slowest one was, like, somewhere, I don't know, and that was a 6.02. I didn't run any slower than 6.02 or any quicker than 5.59, and I, and that makes me more proud than, like, the overall finish time, because to have executed a race in that way with, like, absolutely consistent and precise pacing was something I never thought I'd be able to achieve. I've When I do my runs, sometimes even like my tempo efforts, my pacing is all over the place. It's something I've always really struggled with personally. It took me a long time to learn how to run easy and to learn the difference between like a tempo effort and an all out sprint. Like there were, there were, there, I've had to do so much work to get to a place where I can listen to my body enough and understand my own capabilities to like know what it feels like to run at different paces and to have been able to execute that I didn't stop at all, which was for me like stopping in a marathon, I think is like no big deal because sometimes it's better to stop and take on your fuel when you're not running or to take a drink or to stop and walk so that you're able to run a bit later on. Like 
every way that people run a marathon is absolutely valid and um, stopping walking is just part of the gig for some people and I definitely stopped and walked um, a little bit towards the end of London Marathon like through the water stations and I remember being really cross with myself afterwards by being like you didn't run it like you didn't run it consistently the whole time and even though like I know that that doesn't make it a bad marathon that doesn't mean that you didn't run a marathon because you did that like there was still like I can't deny there was like the the element of pride that I had done this whole race and I was capable in that moment of running 26.2 miles at such an even pace with no no fade no wall just it, it felt for me like I was being oh 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 the emotions they're coming in I felt like I was being rewarded for like the months of like pure graft that I'd put in to run this race like I had been so dedicated to my training like there was a point where like we had a, a wedding on the Saturday and we had to get back to catch a flight on the Sunday like literally mid-morning but we we got up early we drove home and I ran like 12 or 13 miles before getting on the plane and like things like that like fitting it in around work around my infusions for my hospital visits and like still like I'd had an infusion before and usually I'm totally wiped out after infusions but like I still did my like speed work after it and I was like so proud of myself that I was fit enough and well enough to be able to do that and so to have had the race that I did it just it felt like and I'd been so stressed in the lead up to the race about getting sick like as I said before OCD, immunocompromised, like all of this stuff, which makes it very stressful. And I'm commuting in, in central London. I work in central London, very like people facing. I've constantly got actors like breathing in my face, sweating on me, all of that jazz. It's quite high risk of contamination when it comes to getting sick. And I was so paranoid about getting sick right before the race. I was like, my stress levels were through the roof with all of that. I did not want to have a cold for race day. And the fact that I was able to go through that stuff and, you know, manage my health and everything and then have the race that I had just was it, it was like a unicorn race I was just like and I, I have to like manage my it, it encourages me in a way because I know that it's possible to have races like that like compared to my London Marathon experience and don't get me wrong I loved it enough to like sign up for another one but I almost signed up for another one because I wanted to prove that I could do it better than I'd done before and I know that like in all likelihood I like not every race is going to be like that um that this was special and it was special because lots of things that I did worked but also lots of external factors worked together like the race, if it had been a week earlier, it would have been like 18 or 19 degrees, which would have been hellish. It would have been so hot and I would have hated it. Um, and like there was just so many things that could have gone wrong that were outside of my control. If I'd taken that AA drink and it didn't agree with my didn't agree with my digestive system, I could have absolutely sabotaged my race. Like there were so many things that could have gone wrong, but I just got really lucky and they didn't. Um, but also on the flip side of that, like I did put in the work to make that happen too. And so... I know that not every race will be that magical, but it felt like when I did my half marathon PB, which was like a 158, and I'd been really wanting a sub two hour for, for as long as I'd been running, really. And I'd I'd kind of failed at attempting that the November of uh like that year. And I wanted to try again in the April. And I remember crossing, I remember feeling that same way about the race. Like I didn't have a down part of the race. I felt really in control the whole time and was able to really speed up at the end. And I remember crossing the finish and just being overwhelmed when I saw the 158, because it was a goal I'd worked towards. And I felt really strong and so proud of. And honestly, it just, it, for me, that's like that. There's a lot of reasons why I run 
just on the daily basis like there's a lot of good reasons to run that aren't performance focused um and there are a lot of reasons that we run and that actually get us out the door every day that are nothing to do with time or races or goals but there is that's why i race you know to get those that that to feel that achievement and that accomplishment of having gotten out the door and you've worked so hard for so long and then you get to reap the rewards of that like that euphoric feeling of hitting a goal is like so magical to me as well it's it like getting out for whatever reason is magical but like races especially like that that will never not be like there are some races where you don't want to go for a time you want to go for the experience like I'm not going for a time for my ultra marathon I'm doing next year I'm literally doing it to to have the experience of more trail running and getting out to do an ultra so that's like a totally different thing because I, it's not time focused at all and I know I'll still have that incredible feeling of completing a race and hitting a goal after that because if I complete it <laughs> when I complete it um because that's the goal for that race so actually like I don't know if any of what I just said made sense but I think whatever your goal is for the race it's possible to access that euphoric happy feeling that you get from racing whether or not your goals are time focused it just so happened that for this race my goals were time focused and so that and the half marathon I mentioned like my goals were very time focused for that but like I remember going out and doing my first half marathon myself there was not a time goal in sight I had no idea what people thought was a good time or what people thought was a bad time or anything like that I just wanted to have run 13 miles and when I did that feeling was just unbelievable because I couldn't believe that I'd been able to achieve that so it's it's whatever the goal is for you whether it's achieving the distance having a good time getting your fueling right or you know learning something about yourself you can access that feeling and it just it was so lovely which is why it's been quite tough for me post-race to sort of come down from that and struggle a bit with my running post such an amazing experience um but Amsterdam Marathon was an absolute winner for me they they were so well organized there was good access to portaloos en route I didn't have to stop and use them I don't usually this is something that's very interesting I I never considering I take on a lot of liquids when I run I never need a wee on a long run um that's just something I've never had to do I say that touch wood watch me like and which is really funny because in my everyday life I wee all the time very TMI but I just I pee all the time like on the hour every hour um but when I'm running it doesn't happen that way and even I did the A6 10k earlier this year in London just to like get a sense of where I was at speed wise before going into the marathon block and I was so desperate for a wee when I crossed that start line because the portaloo situation at that race was absolutely unhinged I was busting for a wee and I thought I'm gonna have to find a portaloo at like kilometer five and just absolutely kill my race because I'm busting for a wee or I'm gonna have to like see a Starbucks en route and like jump in but as soon as I started running the need vanished it just left me I'm like baffled I don't understand how that works so overall Amsterdam Marathon a success loved it we then went for dinner I will have to I I should have researched like I should have gone back and found the places that we ate at so I could shout them out properly on here but if I can I'll add them to like the notes of this episode or something but we went to this traditional Dutch pub that Joe had found and booked us for dinner and we ate at like 5 30 because after we finished the race I finished around like half past one I want to say something like that but by the time I'd managed to get out it was nowhere near as bad getting out of the race as London Marathon but it was still pretty chaotic and I think that there's probably no good way to do it trying to get that many people out of a stadium at one time it was chucking it down with rain and we were all being funneled through this quite small gap to like 
get out of the, the, the place basically and I think I was a little bit disoriented as well because like you always are after a race like that like after London Marathon I was in such a state that I went to go to baggage drop to pick up my bag and I just couldn't read my own race number so I had to have one of the volunteers like take me to the right place and find my bag for me because I was like not okay even though I was like walking around perfectly fine my brain was like melted my friends broke in to the baggage claim area like non-runners are not supposed to be able to get in there they broke in and had to try and locate me because there was no phone signal either because you're in central london with like a million people around you and the phone signal was just crap and i was just stood there crying and my friends there's a great video of my friends just like running up to me being like hi and i'm just stood there crying because i was like i'm never gonna find anyone here i'm gonna be stuck here until they pack up the race um so i didn't have an experience like that luckily my parents were able to get back um, from Vondel Park to like meet at this coffee shop that we'd been at before the race and it was like not very far at all it was like I got lost because again I was a little bit confused after the race a bit dazed and I was trying to go somewhere I wasn't meant to be going um, and it was very crowded but I did manage to get out and also what added to the confusion was we got out and I was like well fuck no one gave me a t-shirt so I had my like bat my my badge I had my medal and everything and I was like so I like went to try and find an information desk to be like hey like what, what's the deal with finisher t-shirts um but they would and I eventually found the information desk and they were just like yeah you were meant to get that at the expo and I was like well my bad thanks and then I had to go and find my family so that overcomplicated it but managed to find them really easily we went to like we got on the metro to go to the place that we uh, had booked for dinner but we were a little bit early so we had a coffee beforehand and then went and oh my god this pub was amazing we had this traditional uh like dutch stew and oh my god it was to die for it was so lovely had a beer it was just such a perfect end it was really quiet and we were chatting with like the owner and like the chef was out having his dinner at the same time it was like very quiet very beautiful and delicious food and then we literally like say goodbye to my parents because I was like quite tired at like six or something after walking around for a little bit. And we went back home and like me and Joe, we just we ate some more food and watched TV and went to bed. And it was like such a perfect day, such a perfect evening. And then me and Joe were staying till the Tuesday uh, afternoon. So on the Monday, we just like did some exploring. We went out and did some we met my parents again and we went to like the MoMA Museum and like did a, did a few like touristy things around there. And then on the Tuesday, like my parents left on the Monday evening. So on the Tuesday, me and Joe just did a bit more exploring and like walked around did a little bit of shopping um and then we got we got the Eurostar home and it was like such a lovely holiday as well like we both like when we got back home we were like man that was a fucking sick holiday it was so good because we didn't do all that much like Amsterdam's just so lovely for walking around and exploring and um I feel like we we already want to go back because we would like to see a bit more of like the actual like the Netherlands and and a bit more like outside of Amsterdam um because we didn't really get the chance to travel anywhere this time around but it was just it was just such a lovely, it was such a relaxing break that we both needed, which is so crazy when you say that, like, <laughs> you've run a marathon on that holiday, but, like, it was so relaxing. And what was crazy is, after the marathon, this is a training hack 101. What I had been doing this whole training block was doing my long runs and then going to work because my long runs were scheduled for a Sunday and I work a matinee show on Sundays and I said this to my coach but I said I didn't want to move it to Monday which is my day off because I wanted my days off to be like a proper rest day um where I could like physically not do too much so we thought it'll be fine I'll do my long runs and go to work and what this trained me for was like 
being excellent on tired legs because I literally ran 22 miles got home showered and then went to work like that day I did like 60,000 steps it was a joke um because my job is quite physical I'm constantly walking up and down stairs carrying heavy load like crouching jumping all sorts it's very demanding on the body and it's not something that I think is suitable for everyone to train in that way but for me it made my legs and just my my whole being quite resilient and and very used to being active on on tired legs so actually after the marathon I found that my legs weren't too stiff to be honest like definitely sitting on the toilet was a struggle as it always is um and going up or downstairs was a bit creaky um but actually my legs felt fine and I ended up walking like over 20,000 steps for the rest of the holiday every day um because we were just doing so much like exploring and walking and me and Joe just love like when we're on holiday we we love walking places like we'll try as much as possible to not have to use like transport or anything because it's a great way to explore a city so we were doing a lot of that and it was funny walking around the day after the marathon and you could tell who had run the marathon because people had a certain walk about them especially in the MoMA going up and down the stairs in that museum because there were so many people that we like locked eyes and people would be like marathon you'd be like yep because people are just like like stumbling up and down the stairs like trying to get up and down them without causing too much pain um so that was that was very funny um but yeah it was a great trip I would highly recommend it just felt very well organized I did grab a sponge like at like the 15k point because in my head at that point this is what I think I think I I feel like I'm fine during races but then when I when I look back on it and especially like I've vlogged some of the race as well that hasn't seen the light of day because it is a bit shambolic I'm like am I okay because my brain is just not functioning on a human level at that point even though like physically I'm like no I'm fine I'm doing great um but I thought it'd be hilarious to like pick up a sponge while it was raining and like hold on to a sponge and I have this thing where I'm like growing up I don't know if it's because like in the bath I used to like have like a flannel that you'd like wash yourself with like a normal flannel and when it was wet there was nothing more satisfying than like biting into it like biting into a wet sponge so like I grabbed a sponge and I thought this is hilarious I've got a sponge while it's chucking it down with rain so I don't need to be like putting it on myself so I bit into it and it tasted rancid but I was like eh whatever um I don't know what the point of that story was that was rogue but I'd never done a race with sponges before and I can imagine on a hot day those would have been absolutely gorgeous so I know that in the race like survey I filled out afterwards it was like do you think the sponges like did you use the sponges and I put yes because I was like don't get rid of the sponges they were great I didn't need them personally on the day, but like I can imagine on a hot day, those would have been gorgeous. Like London Marathon doesn't have sponges. They do have like the water sprinklers that you can run through at certain points. But like when I did London, it was 18 degrees and it was boiling and I would have loved a wet sponge to like pour on myself or wring out or hold on to for a little while. So I thought that was very cool. All in all, I think that it was really well organized. The medal was great. Like the race photos were really good um like they were from lots of different points um finishing in uh, in the stadium is amazing and i just would really recommend it like i say it's it's one of the cheaper international ones but it's obviously not cheap and i understand and it's something i i think about and talk about quite a lot is like lack of accessibility for affordable racing in running because everyone likes to hark on about how running is a very accessible sport financially because all you need is like a pair of shoes to go running in and then you can just run it's like a free activity and I do agree to like a a, to an extent but also if you get invested in running like it can become really expensive really quickly like my any disposable income I have goes on running now like it's become an expensive hobby for me um 
when you factor in buying shoes and nutrition and like for me like the hugest choice I made this year was paying for a running coach and that's like a massive luxury to be able to afford that and I don't take it for granted but it is and it's but it's a huge expense that I had to really like factor into my into my lifestyle and like make adjustments to other areas of my life to afford and and I wouldn't regret it because I I've, I love having my coach and it, it really helps me but it is one of those things that like all of this stuff really adds up obviously you don't need it to run a race but it like it, it can in like help you out you know it can <laughs> it can help you have a bit more of a clue what to do with training and stuff and um obviously there's more local races which are cheaper um but I just wish that I wish everybody would get the experience of like a big city marathon. Now, maybe there is like, I haven't had an experience of like a smaller marathon yet. So maybe there's people out there that are like, nope, not for me. I'd rather do like the smaller marathons, more secluded, which absolutely whatever floats your boat. But I just wish that they were a bit more accessible to people um, in a different like income bracket. Like my dream would be that there's like big city races that are like maybe means tested or something, or they offer a certain amount of like free spaces or it's like based on your... I don't know, just, I don't know what the solution is, but, like, I wish, I do wish things were a little bit more uh, accessible in terms of, like, race pricing, but then again, like, run through, do some amazing races all through the UK, and they do marathons too, and I think they're as little as, like, 20 quid to enter, so that's really great, uh, it's good to see that, and I actually think, speaking on that, and I don't know this for sure, because this is something I clearly read at some point, but don't know too, too much about, but I think it's run through that did their first ever, like, fully timed, chipped run race, that was like totally free I think it was like a pilot scheme to see if it could work but like it, it was like I don't I can't remember the details I'll have to have to look that up and talk about it in the next episode but uh, from what I saw briefly of it a while ago it looks like an excellent scheme and I, I really hope it takes off because it would be amazing to have that sort of uh like facility and opportunity out there for people to race in a full proper environment for free um I've gone off a little bit of a tangent there but yeah like I say it's 100 euros is a lot for race fee and that's obviously not taking into account travel and anything like that so you know it's one of those where I'm like I would love to do another marathon major which is I've entered the ballot for Berlin again next year but like I didn't enter the ballot for weeks because 205 euros for a race just seems absolutely out of this world to me I'm like how 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 but I I entered it because I want to do a a marathon next autumn and I would love to do an autumn I would love to do another marathon major because after doing London obviously get I've got my one star five to go I would love to eventually work my way through them but like I know that's like many years in my future because not only do I not think I could qualify for Boston in in any recent years like like next year I'm hoping I'll be able to go sub four but like qualifying for Boston is is a long way away for me but even if I qualified man why are all the the Abbott World Marathon majors? Why are they in the US? Why they got three? They got Chicago, New York, and Boston. What what is that all about? <laughs> that's like I can't fly to the US three separate times. Uh, that's that's crazy. So anyway, that's mini rant. Um, but yeah, onwards I guess onwards to next year. I'm hoping I haven't actually booked my space yet, but I'm hoping I'm waiting to hear about uh, about work stuff for next year before I before I book it in but I am 99% certain that I'm running the Goring Gap 52 kilometer ultra marathon and I'm very excited about it I'm really excited to I'd wanted over the winter to like get fast like I would really love to work on my 5k time I think my 5k pb is like a 24 minutes or something and I would love to get like a 23 or even like sub 23 like that would be 
so cool if I could do that. But after marathon training and doing speed work and stuff, I am quite looking forward to like focusing on some longer, slower running in preparation for the ultra and also just doing something on the trails. Like I love road running. I really do. But I am very excited to try something different and to get a bit more out in nature as much as I can training in London, which is a nightmare for ultra running. But um, it's possible and I'm very excited because it's actually kind of near where my parents live. Um, So I'm really excited to like be able to like go home and do a race and like be able to go home to my parents house afterwards and like have a bath that'd be great um, and I think my dad is also thinking of doing it too and he hasn't done an ultra marathon before so it would be so much fun for us to do and that yeah that that idea is really exciting for me and then yeah like I say I want to do a, a autumn marathon again next next autumn and hopefully go for that sub four uh that would be really really cool like I say I'm not sure what it will be yet I've applied for the Berlin ballot but the chance of me getting in there are quite slim um but we'll see there's if you have any recommendations do hit me up with them um but yeah so on next week's episode I hope to talk a little bit about winter running ways to stay safe and motivate yourself to do some winter running and I'm hoping that I will be back up and running properly by then as well um I want to do an episode talking a lot uh, well talking a lot talking a little bit about like the links between um like my own personal experience having an autoimmune disease and being a runner um and sort of attitudes towards that but also like the benefits and pros and cons of all of it um and I also want to talk a little bit about um like my ultra marathon training journey when that happens too um and yeah there's just there's a lot of topics I really want to cover so um if any of that sounds really interesting to you then please do subscribe to this podcast and stick around for the next episodes I'm hoping I'll be able to release every Thursday or Friday I definitely once a week Uh, ideally Friday I think will be will be a good day um and to keep up to date with me on social media please do follow me on my socials tiktok is mug on the move and so is instagram i think mug on the move that's me i'm i'm laura mugford and i'm moving so that's where that comes from so i think that covers everything i want to talk about today the original premise of this podcast when i started was that i was going to be running while i recorded it hence running easy chatting breezy um and that never transpired like in person because uh I just couldn't figure out a good recording setup for it. Like the audio was just crap. Um, So not that this audio is really any better, but like it's better than me running and how I was doing it before. But I am quite keen to get back to that format purely because it's really going to help me out because next year in the spring, hopefully, fingers crossed, I will be debuting my one woman show, which I've written about running a marathon. And the majority of the show is done on a treadmill. So I need to get really good at speaking while I run. And it's just like not a skill set I have at the moment. So um, I'm really hoping that I can figure something out um, to record while I run because it's interesting and well, it's interesting for me. But um, also like as a listener, I listen to running commentary um, and I find it really enjoyable to listen to these two guys like chatting while they run because it makes me feel like this is very sad makes me feel like I'm not alone when I'm running because I can hear other people running and chatting to each other so if I can be that for one of you chaps having to do your runs alone then that would be really nice so I'm really hoping I can figure that out some of the episodes will be like sit down and conversations like this and hopefully at some point uh, I will have enough clout to get some guests on to chat about running um but until then it'll probably be a mismatch mishmash a mismatch a mishmash that's what I was trying to say not a mismatch a mishmash of 
this sitting down chatting style and me like doing a similar chatting thing but like just out running so let me know what you think about that and um i'll see you guys next time goodbye